Hello everyone, it's been a long time since we last podded. Pandemic, a relegation for Barnet Football Club and all sorts going on on the pitch. We've had a whole squad clean out. Brings me a lot of happiness and nostalgia to say good evening, Tom. Good evening. Good evening, Will. Hello. And good evening, Jono. Good evening. Um, Tom, might as well just start with you. How have you been doing since we last recorded? Not too bad. Missing going to football, missing seeing people. It was, I think we have seen each other more recently than we last recorded. We met in London once, didn't we? But I think meeting up again has been on the agenda for an incredibly long time and will probably remain only on the agenda for an incredibly long time, which is very sad, as is not going to football. But... These are the times we live in, and uh, needs must. Fair enough. Good point. Uh, Will, what have you been up to? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too bad. I can't can't complain. Obviously, I was going to say missing watching Barnet, but the way it's going at the moment, I'm not <laughs> not entirely sure that's true. I mean, I've been, been following it on. Uh, yeah, the, the I Barnet, been down to a couple of local matches down here, South End and Canvey Isle, but besides that, yeah, it'd be nice to get back and watch some live football again in the future, wouldn't it? Nice. Uh, Jono, what have you been up to? <laughs> Just working, really, that's it. I've not, I've, <laughs> my job, I've, <laughs> I'm able to carry on working, I haven't been put on furlough or anything like that, and with my job, I've actually been quite lucky to ca- carry on going to the football games without fans, uh, working at the games and at Wembley and all that sort of stuff last season, so... Yeah, apart from working, not really been up to much else. Kind of sad that you mentioned that because I did want to kind of drop you in it and say that, you know, you've been watching international football up close. Well, yeah, yeah, I have. It's not still, it's just as boring watching England play live than it is on watching TV, really, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Right, we're not going to start um, from where we last podded um, because a lot has happened and probably take us forever. Let's be honest, we weren't exactly the most brief of podcasters before. So let's just rewind uh, somewhat briefly, I suppose, to the end of last season. Um, obviously, uh, Darren Curry left. Uh, Scott got cleared out. Even the, the staff, backroom staff, a lot of the academy. Um, and obviously, it was a gamble probably related to the pandemic. Um, Will, you've obviously been most involved in the club in the period leading up to it and the period since. So what was your sort of take on that? Yeah, I want to be careful not to not to rewrite history, I suppose, because I was at the time I was quite in favour of, of the approach that, that the club took. It, it struck me that we were in a slightly different position to a lot of other teams, that we'd, we'd had the double whammy of the parachute payments from the previous relegation running out and also the pandemic. So it, to me, it seemed quite prudent to, to really cut our costs. And, and I imagined that that was going to happen across the board. I think what, what's transpired is that, that that isn't the case. And a lot of clubs haven't tightened their belts in the way some of us thought they would. And that's left Barnet in, in a fair bit of trouble. But yeah, it looks like you know, the club kind of read the room wrong, I suppose, in that sense. But at the time, it did seem like a logical decision to me. Tom, would you agree? Yeah, I would. I think nothing quite survives like football, despite everything, does it? And maybe you could have foreseen that. But I think at this level, we're talking about the Vanarama National League and the the vast majority, I assume, of clubs make, uh, you know, bring in the bulk of their revenue through match day income. So, you know, ticket sales, hot dogs, beers, whatever that is. And if you can't have supporters coming into the grounds, then that suddenly severely restricts the budget you've got to spend. So you could reasonably assume that a lot of clubs were going to be in a similar boat. I think some were always likely to transcend that. Notts County, obviously, being the, the size of club they are, was one of those. Um, but the problems, the thing is probably exacerbated it is um, 
clubs like uh, Stockport coming in and deciding they're going to spend significant money. Ditto Dagenham Redbridge. Not that it's necessarily done them much good, but it's kind of ensured that there's a bigger gulf than uh, I suspect Barnet anticipated there being um, between the top and the bottom spenders and trying to do the prudent and sensible thing. And I, I maintain it was probably the sensible thing to do, but uh, it's it's hard to take that information and the fact that Barnet is second bottom of the league with a miserable goal difference and a miserable team and have had to change manager and and not square the two off against one another and say they got it they got it wrong in the summer. So we'll get into that in great depth over the next four days, I imagine. But um, on the face of it, I don't think they did anything wrong. Perhaps the mistake was not reacting more quickly. Understandable. Jono, is there a case to be made that it may have been the right decision or the right approach, but poorly executed? Or would you say that the whole decision was wrong? Um, no, I think we were all in agreement that we were doing the right thing, I think, that we all. It's mm. all just... Uh, <laughs> no one knew what was going to happen in like in the future at the time, did we? And everyone was... Everything's going to go you know, bust, essentially. So we we're just trying to... Uh, save face and just save money wherever we could um, and at the time I suppose we all looked at other clubs spending money and thinking they're very brave we're probably better off just taking a sensible approach but our sensible approach is probably being a bit too safe and just come back to bite us on the behind I suppose isn't it so okay uh, I actually have a, a little bit of a different take um, I think it was a bit of a gamble particularly when I, I think the chairman moved too early um, if you remember the press actually picked up on Barnet because we were one of the first clubs to really go for for it um mm. and chairman had a couple of pieces about you know lamenting the fact that he'd been kind of forced into this move um i think we went too early on that and i think the weeks thereafter that the other clubs didn't seem to be easing up in their spending or in their uh, i'd say accumulating accumulating a squad but you know bringing in the players in and getting their squads built seemed to suggest that um we may have cut our teeth accordingly but it looked like no one else did so you know it's like a game of musical chairs isn't it in any case, I think, so from there, we've, we've cleared out the squad. Oh, you go for it, John. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, sorry. I was, I was just thinking at the time as well, I think it almost kind of made sense for us to do what we did, though, because we're almost sort of just forced down this path with so many of our players just out of contract at the last season that you almost wanted just a clean slate anyway, just to start again. The unknown was so unknown. With everyone out of contract, it was just a bit... It's probably best to just go and start again fresh, really, instead of just renewing con- player contracts when we don't know if we were going to see the following season through. It's probably been forgotten as well, but there was a lot of doubt about when the season was even going to start, right up until a you know sort of a week before, wasn't there? With the delayed start, it, that that whole situation dragged on for a long time, and if you're the one footing that bill. You can see the wisdom in, or you can you could understand the temptation to not commit thousands of pounds each week to uh, something that you're going to see no benefit from for the foreseeable future. But um, as I said right at the beginning of my answer, nothing has an ability to just carry on like normal, quite like football. So I guess there was probably an inevitability about the fact the season would start. Um, as it, as it eventually did. Sure. So, okay, so we have rough agreement then that some sort of clear out was the correct um, correct approach. Well, from, from there, obviously, we did have a big clear out, as in a, a nuclear clear out. Um, and it just seems like one of the big issues was that what we replaced or what we got in after the clear out, Beadle joined in the summer. We had, obviously, quite a few players join. I would say, 
put be a bit risky, put myself out there, that it didn't quite work out the way we'd, we'd hoped. Um, what are your thoughts, Will? Yeah, I think the flip side to saying that it was the right decision to to cut costs is that the actual the way that was enacted, I don't think was done particularly smartly. So the biggest thing for me is the fact that they took so long to appoint a manager. Um, I mean that that left Beadle behind the curve, really, right from right from the off, in the sense that he had this short preseason to work with. Um, you know, the the players they were being recruited throughout that preseason period. So the chances of them being match fit by the first few games of the season were were very slim. I also think that the players we we had available to recruit from there was a there was a, a smaller pool with the amount of money we were potentially willing to part with uh, because we'd left everything so late. And, and if you think about it really even if you decided not to build your squad until a later point because you want to you know save money it surely it makes sense to at the very least get the manager in place early um just to kind of have that some sense of stability some time for him to plan out everything. And yeah, you know Barnett were, were unlucky that we did find ourselves you without any players pretty much which is you know a lot of clubs already had squads that were kind of half built then we had the the fact we didn't have a, a manager in situ already which I think made it doubly as difficult but nonetheless I think we could have mitigated a lot of that if we kind of just been a little bit bit more prepared and, and done things slightly earlier I suppose. I know we'd reached consensus that uh, the clear out wasn't necessarily a bad thing but I do want to take a quick step back and ask your opinion uh, Darren Curry leaving was that the was that a good decision or a bad decision I think it's probably fair to say it was a bad decision um, I mean uh, whose decision it was and whether you know, whether it was mutual or not I mean I don't, I'm not, I don't imagine Darren Curry was massively keen on the thought of putting together a team on a, on a significantly reduced squad a reduced budget from scratch when he'd already achieved a, a playoff place the previous year it doesn't look great for a new manager to then potentially you know, the next year you finish much further down the table no one looks at the amount of money you got to work with they kind of just often just look at league positions don't they um, but yes if he'd been there I think we would have had a much clearer idea about what we needed and what we didn't um, it would have made the transition into that that kind of lower budget setup a lot easier so no it wasn't wasn't a great decision but uh, yeah, I'm not entirely sure that, that there wasn't a kind of mutual element to that because of the fact that we were cutting costs Fair enough. Um, Jono, I know it's very easy with hindsight, so it's probably the easiest question of all time to ask you. Forgetting the manager now, so we did manage to get Peter B. Lynn. How did, how would you say that our summer recruitment went? I think it's, you have to bear in mind, building a squad from what is more or less scratch is impossible near enough to get right straight away you, you're faced with the task of identifying which position on the pitch is most important where do you spend you know where, which position do you splash the most money on essentially is hard enough because there's an argument to make for every single position being as important as the other um, but I don't think we got it anywhere near as good as anyone wanted it to be essentially um, I mean I'll, I'll, I'll own up I haven't watched as many games as Will or uh, possibly even Tom have uh, but the reports I hear from the two of them are that it was more uh, calamitous than well it's just horrible things hearing from the two of them about what we got wrong instead of compared to what we got right in the summer really we didn't really get much right at all did we yeah I think that sounds sounds fair uh, Tom you were doing some uh, some last minute revision before the pod but I know you follow the club far yeah. more closely than I can profess to at this stage <laughs> um, summer recruitment what, what did you see what have you seen what yeah, are your thoughts on it it's interesting because I get I will like Will I'm just gonna I'll be honest and sort of uh, potentially make myself look like an idiot but when we were making the signings over the summer, on the paper, I felt like some of them were quite 
good. I thought, but I thought Ben Nugent and, and Matt Preston, you know, decent kind of football league pedigrees. I didn't really know a lot about Alexander McQueen. I must admit, I'd seen Jerome Binham Williams a few times um, in years gone by, playing in the football league for the likes of Leighton Orient, and I always thought he looked reasonably good. Um, JJ Hooper had, had seemingly done fairly well at Wrexham previously. I thought I thought they were, you know, likely to be light on numbers, but as you only have to have five subs in the in the national league, and there's a few young boys, Vasiliu and uh, Tompkins and so on, kicking around, they would uh, you know help make up the numbers, and obviously you can go out and get a player on a loan deal. Um, outside the transfer window as well so you know that would be possible to kind of supplement in and with the decent players that we'd been able to retain Scott Loach James Dunn Harry Taylor Wes Fonguk Josh Walker from Mason Clark I thought you know what there's the there's the makings of a a decent team there they're not going to get anywhere near the playoffs because I'm not sure where the goals are necessarily going to come from but they shouldn't be where they ultimately are but as you look at it today and with the benefit of, you know, kind of three months of the season worth of hindsight, I, I before this, I'd sort of divided it up into useful players, juries out and, and bin, essentially. Um, the useful players I'll list, I've got Loach, Dunn, Petrasso, Taylor, Fonguk, Mason Clark and Walker. I've also got Wordsworth and Hooper floating between useful and juries out because I suspect on reputation you might have them as useful and in reality you'd probably say they're in the jury's out pile. Well, everybody there except Petrasso was at the club last season. They were a known entity and I think that sums up the problem when you look at the summer recruitment and even Petrasso came in uh, later than the likes of uh, Preston, Duffus, Nugent, uh, Binham Williams, etc, etc. So I think I think what I will say is two good things have probably happened. One a lot of signings have been made or relatively a lot of signings have been made on loan or on short-term deals and we've seen this week that um, Bilal Mosny and uh, um, Ineffiong have left it wouldn't surprise me if Mohamed Dufal returns to Bolton if that's a deal that Barney can get out of um, and that frees up a bit of cash for Tim Flowers to make this squad you know mould this squad in his own image so that's one good thing and the second good thing although it might not feel like it at the time is that Barnet are postponing games right left and centre which gives Tim Flowers a bit of time to work on recruitment without games and work with those players that he's inherited and any new signings we've obviously seen Liam Daly arrive Ben Fox um join on loan with Miles Judd as well, you know, gets the chance to work with those guys and really just drill those guys in the, you know, the, the basics of football, I think, based on the, the games I've seen and the clips I've watched and what have you when it comes to defending. So there is, there's some optimism for them being able to rectify that, but you can't assess the summer recruitment as anything other than diabolical. If, if I could just interject for a minute, what I would say is that I've got a slightly different take on that summer recruitment and probably a more negative one in that I think there were potentially some alarm bells ringing right from the off really with that with that with some of the players we were bringing in I mean sort of you look through the squad list and a couple that really spring to mind the two fullbacks first of all and this is not not necessarily assessing them with the benefit of hindsight but Jerome Binner Williams and Alexander McQueen you know both released by other other National League clubs I, I really 
know, sort of firmly believe in the idea that if they're not good enough for another team at your level, you shouldn't be signing them if you've got aspirations to, to do any better than that. Because I would say that, you know, broadly speaking, and I know it occasionally it does work out like that, but broadly speaking, when professional managers have had a whole season to look at these guys, they, they tend to know whether they're up to the level or not. I think you don't want to be sort of, yeah, you don't want someone else's sort of, what's the word? Um, cast off. Yeah, cast offs, that's exactly it. Um, and then you have players who, you know, we were essentially re-signing our own cast off in Dwight Pascal, who had been, you know, been released by the club and then, then came back again. That was another one where I started to, you know, have some questions. And it, it runs the whole way through the team. Tyrone Duffers, you know, last playing at Warrington Town. But he didn't, you know, there, there was barely anything about him on the internet. There was no sort of evidence <laughs> to suggest that he was going to be able to step up. Elliot Richards, again, you know, playing much lower down. The list goes on. I mean, I, I think you can even extend that to JJ Hooper. Now, I, I think he's a slightly different case because he'd had quite a good goal scoring spell when he was playing for Bromley before. But again, he's been released by a, a Wrexham side that, that weren't doing particularly well last season. So, you know, it, it did feel to me that right from the very beginning, we were recruiting like massively on a budget and, and, and not really, not smartly on a budget, potentially the way you see some of the smaller teams in the league like Maidenhead go about and pick up, you know, bargains you haven't heard of from the from the Ishmael League or whatever. A lot of these guys were players you had heard of, but just hadn't been particularly good in recent seasons. There was a large element of Peter Beadle putting faith in guys that he knew as well, I think, wasn't there? Is the two there that you mentioned, obviously Elliot Richards and Tyron Duffus had played under him previously at a lower level and I'm assuming that he thought A, they were good enough to make the step up and even if they you know, were a little bit short, the fact that they knew what he expected and the style of football he was going to play and so on presumably would go some way to bridging that gap but Duffus has been, I honestly don't think I've seen him kick a ball for Barnett, been injured for a long time, sort of mysteriously. And Elliot Richards obviously got injured early on as well. So any benefit he was hoping to sort of glean from from that has been negated entirely, hasn't it? I actually want to go back to, you were talking about um, moulding uh, molding a team in his image. Just, I'm sorry, I had such a vivid image there of just Tim Flowers, who in my head is a 90s goalkeeper. Just moulding a team in his image. Just, just <laughs> he doesn't exist as as a manager in my head as an entity. Um, yeah, I, I want to again touch on all the sort of well, I want to touch on everyone's thoughts because it seems like generally, let's be honest, I don't think any of you can disagree with the statement. Uh, summer recruitment wasn't good enough. Really, it was done on a budget. Got multiple different angles upon which we're criticising the summer recruitment, which is never a particularly promising thing. So that kind of leads into something else. Is in we are where we are now. So we had the, the summer recruitment. We are where we are now. Jono, do you see any positives right now? Right now, uh, with Tim Flowers in, yes, he's only had what two games to sit, and I mean, there's been a two defeats, hasn't it, in the FA Trophy and in the league? But he still hasn't really had his squad of players that he wants to work with or anything like that. It's been a little while since we've had our last game. Um, and a few players have come in the door, more a few players have left, and all that sort of stuff. But then we've seen a lot of activity behind the scenes with uh, what we've seen, like a sort of performance analysis or someone something like along those lines with uh, Gary Anderson. Is that his name? Yes, yeah, yeah. he's been appointed, and uh, he's obviously got his his assistant in as well. And a lot of it stems from listening to him talk, but he seems to know what he's on about, which is a positive. Um, and he seems to know what he wants and a sort of a clear, he, he seems clear in his head who he wants and what he wants, which I suppose is a good place to start more than anything. But we haven't really got a lot to judge on so far. Um, other than that, really, uh, um, he is a good manager as well. He's done, had good success at Solihull Moors, didn't he? So, 
past experiences has said he's going to be a good manager. And so far, apart from the results, of which there's only been two results, um, everything off the pitch, I don't know about you guys, but I'm getting some sort of a positive vibe from it. I'll ask you about the positives. I'm going to now go to... Because Will's the optimistic one, so it's not really fair if I ask him the nice questions. So, Will, what have been the problems so far? We touched on some recruitment, but what have been the, you know, the problems, the actual on-the-field problems, maybe off-the-field problems? What are the actual problems? God, this is going to be a long segment, isn't it? <laughs> they, I mean, there's so many, it's, it's hard to know where to start. I, I think that clearly the backroom setup wasn't adequate until Tim Flowers has come in. I think we've seen with the fact that he's brought, you know, brought in a, a performance analyst shows you that, that, well, we know there's been issues with injuries, fitness. Um, there, there is a feeling that everything was was kind of done on the cheap previously and now and now all the money we're, we're going to have to spend potentially on new players and whatever else we're you know we're using this new tracking technology it's all really to to remedy that so i think that was you know one of the issues was everything kind of not being perhaps kind of professionalized enough um obviously there was the managerial issues with with peter beadle really not showing any signs that he knew he knew what he was doing i mean i know he was dealt a particularly you know difficult hand but at the same time performances were absolutely absolutely abysmal um, um, and the real, the real key element, I suppose, is that defensively the team have just been an absolute shambles. You look at the the league table. You know they've got minus twenty four goal difference, conceded thirty five goals, which is you know some way more than a lot of the other clubs. And that's really down to the the atrocious recruitment. You look at Binham Williams, McQueen, Ben Nugent, who really is you know getting in the neck from fans at the moment, isn't he? That whole backline is is shambolic. So that's one of the first things that that needs addressing. But at the same time, they're not really scoring goals either creating an awful lot you could I mean the list could just go on and on couldn't it I mean what's not disastrous about being 22nd out of 23 teams in the National League and only having nine points on the board after 14 games it's been been a complete car crash the whole yeah the whole way across the board I can't believe I just heard you refer to something as a complete car crash right to Barnet you're normally so optimistic (laughs) (laughs) would you say you've been broken well I just think that there's a if you look at the history of Barnet Football Club and you look at I mean certainly I started watching in the mid 90s and you know that first full season they made the playoffs in league two i never imagined that that would be the high watermark of my time supporting them and it, it seemed you know the thought of dropping into the national league seemed pretty depressing at that point but you know the idea that you could potentially drop into the national league south i don't think barnet had been at that level since potentially the, the mid 70s so you know over that period to, to be pretty close to being at our, our lowest ebb i would say that that's it's enough enough of a reason for concern or negativity despite my normally sort of positive mindset I suppose fine I mean I'm not going to judge you um, <laughs> Tom no. uh, Will is Will's too nice to stick, stick the blade in but I'd say that that sounds like he's putting a lot of the blame at Peter Beadle's door uh, would you say that's fair would you be a bit more aggressive and stick the knife in what would you what would you say it's impossible to know if you know who how that recruitment process works but I suspect because we know historically that they don't have a you know a team of scouts or even you know a scout so to speak that um, works there full-time that a lot of the recruitment work is, is done by the manager and his staff and kind of contacts I think a lot of the time at that level isn't it who do you know um, you know who do you know locally because we know that paying great sums or, or sums to help relocate is not the preference um, at Barnet, which immediately narrows the pool. So 
he was, you know, we know he was working within a certain set of circumstances. The chairman said that the there was an element of belt tightening that had to happen um, and explained why that would be and so on and so forth. So I think the circumstances were made harder. But I refuse to believe that there were not better footballers out there who were available on a free transfer within Barnett's pay structure that wouldn't have come uh, to the club. I just, I just can't believe that, and I think it's been, you know, that has been proven in the fact that they have, you know, subsequently signed five or six players um, since the end of the summer. Now, of course, maybe as results uh, get worse, they or or continue to be poor, they have been able to up what they pay or maybe the players that have arrived I'm thinking you know your Anthony Wordsworth for example potentially without a salary for the first month or so of the season have decided to drop their demands but it's I would say a lot of the blame does have to fall at the at the door of Peter Beadle and you know he would have known to some extent I would have thought what he was walking into I'm sure that well, it'd be it would be negligent on his behalf not to have that discussion with the chairman before he came in, and and say you know what sort of is financial um, package am I going to have to work with this season? And I'm sure he would have had that conversation, so he would have known what he was facing up to, and I'm confident that another manager could have done better and would have done better with that money, albeit limited. I'm going to fire a quick one back at you, uh, Tom. Go you on. say another manager could have done better. Let's say someone came in and, and did better. What would better be? Well, what is the ceiling of better? <laughs> what is this? probably? I would have thought probably mid upper mid table. We obviously we don't know what that weekly figure is, and we don't know what um, other teams spend. But you know, you look at the teams coming up. Um, Wealdstone, Altrincham, Solihull Moors—they're not—they're not spending vast amounts of money. We knew that Dover were in big financial trouble. We knew already that Woking uh, were part-time from last season, and 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 Ditto Maidenhead, and I'm sure there are other teams that aren't coming to the top of my head right now who were historically not huge payers. And I would have thought that the pull of a club like and I, I hate this probably sounds like I'm getting kind of sucked in by the the what what Barnet would like you to get sucked in by which is the hive and and all it has to offer but you know if if I'm if I'm a professional footballer and uh let's say Aldershot come in for me and Barnet come in for me teams you know in and around the M25 so geographically fairly equivalent teams that have been at this level historically for a while you know but have also played in the football league as well and the money is by the by you know fairly similar you would have thought that the the pull of joining a club that were in the playoffs last season um, and a club that had been in the football league more recently and a club that have the hive and everything would help you if the if the money would, would help the club secure that signing if the money wasn't too different so I've gone on so long I've almost forgotten the point I was going to make but I think the point was this there are enough clubs that you would look at and say their budget I reckon even this season is less than Barnett's that they should have been able to persuade better calibre of players or find a better calibre of players to come to the football club 
I don't want to sound uh, overly harsh on Peter Beadle or any of the players, but I mean, it wouldn't be hard to do much better than what they're doing at the moment. <laughs> you look at their results. If you have a full season, right, and you've conceded four or more goals in one game, uh, on uh, let's say what three three times throughout the season, you'd be disappointed with that. We've played three months of this season, and we've already done. We've already conceded four or more goals in one game in five different games, and the rest of them. I mean, we've taken other defeats like three nil, three one defeats quite regularly as well. That is appalling. Yeah, jo- Jonathan's absolutely right there. Like, it's That's not. Um, it's it's not just the fact that they're right at the bottom of the league and they've been you know, losing left, right, and centre. But these aren't just losses. They've been absolute demolitions, haven't they? I mean, five two against Halifax, four one against Woking, the six nil against Chesterfield. It's it's to the point where they're they're not even competing. Like the team looks so far behind what the other teams at this level are that I think you can look at a lot of things about the way the you know things were managed at the at the club across the board this season but I don't think you can look beyond the manager when it comes to being you know, absolutely trounced in so many matches I'm going to play devil's advocate which first of all I love doing anyway but also because I actually do have an honest feeling about this so I didn't know who Peter Beadle was before he came to Barnet I'm not going to lie I'm not a big fan of his previous work I have no knowledge of it <laughs> um, and I am not his best friend I've never spoken to the bloke um, I do think, however, I mean, you talk about being put into a losing situation. Um, he's been, he's coming, coming after Darren Curry. He's got nothing to work with, and we spoke before about the clear out. But I mean, you know, nothing there. A handful of players um, who, as we've said before, um, actually turned out to be his best players. Um, so, yeah, I mean. He's been sort of jettisoned into this awkward position. I agree, uh, Tom, that he did choose. You know, he wasn't <laughs> he wasn't volunteered into the role. He did, you know, uh, go through the recruitment process. But I, I do think that if you look at the the mayhem that surrounds Barnet Football Club this season, I I think to answer the question I asked Tom, I don't think many managers would have done much better, to be honest. I, I do think obviously they could have done better, but given what we imagine would have been very harsh salary constraints. I mean, the club doesn't even have a kit. I mean, can we just... It's such a shambles. There's not even kit. I mean, how can you expect a football manager to, to succeed in that environment? I, I, I just... I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So, uh, we'll just do a quick, in a nutshell. Um, Will, in a nutshell, would you lay the majority of the blame at Peter Beadle's door thus far? Um, I, for this season alone, yes. I mean, if you if you want to talk about the, the wider decline, that's a different matter. But yeah, for the for the for the fact that I, I didn't have, I had very low expectations for the season. I expected this to maybe come fifteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth. But the fact that we managed to actually fall below that, I think that probably has to lie at his at his feet. And, and just to go that's something you mentioned there um martin allen as a you know if, if you'd given him the exact same scenario i would suggest that he wouldn't have had you in the bottom three or four i'm not saying he would have worked miracles but i would, I would say that a kind of someone who i deem to be a, you know, a pretty competent manager would have been able to keep us above the level we are now so yeah the fact that we've you know we've fallen so low i think that's probably got to come down to the manager i'm afraid i love martin and i think you're right at buying a football club i'm not sure it would have worked at any other club because there's something magical about martin Martin and Barnett. Uh, Jono, same question to you. In a, in a nutshell, Peter Beadle is the majority of the problem thus far this season? Yes or no? <laughs> I don't know if I can do it in a nutshell. You've got to hold a lot of blame at his, 
at his feet. That he's got to take a lot of it because ultimately he's the one that assembled. He's the one that brought the players in. You'd imagine, and he's the one that's picks a team every week and sets them out to lose six nil and all that sort of stuff. So a lot has got to go to him. But I don't know if he was the right person to appoint in the first place. And there is an argument to say he was probably out of his depth. Surely, even with everything that's going on, you'd imagine we would have been able to attract a better uh, candidate to take charge of the team instead of Peter Beadle. Because you look at his career, really, managerial career anyway, he's managed Taunton Town. Was it Newport County who was, uh, during a time where long before where they were in the in the football league, Clevedon, and then he took over a Hereford and beat, was very successful there, albeit right after they got plunged down how many leagues? So to come into a club like Barnet, which regardless of the circumstances are still a big club in this division and there are expectations, albeit limited somewhat, they're still expected to do better than what he has produced. You'd imagine they you would be able to appoint someone a little bit more experienced and a little bit more know-how at this level anyway, surely. Okay. Uh, Tom, same question to you. Depends how far you go, doesn't it? Because you can say that in terms of the decisions made, coaching and you know how well or otherwise the team was coached, yeah, all, all that stops with Peter Beadle. But as you say, as Johnson just rightly said, he wasn't the, he didn't appoint himself. Um, you know how much of a process was there in that sense in in getting the managerial appointment right? And I think this is something that regularly kind of rears its head at clubs at all levels how much due diligence actually goes into appointing managers because Peter Beadle's success majoritively at Hereford was you know a club that was historically far bigger than any of its rivals had far bigger gates and therefore access to a far bigger budget so you know we see this all the time with Phoenix clubs don't we that rise through the rise through leagues very quickly AFC Wimbledon Chester among them for example in recent times um, and therefore it kind of you know how accurate a reflection of a manager's ability is that the, the jury is definitely out but I would I would love to hear from, and this is from all uh, you know hiring managers i.e. chairman CEOs directors of football whatever it may be in this case Tony Klanthos just what the what the thought process was because it, you, when he was appointed, I thought, "What? I know, where has this come from? Like, this is a guy who hasn't managed for years, never managed at this level. You know, what are his credentials beyond being available and having a connection to Barnet, which you know, loose one at that, playing on loan, sort of fifty, uh, yeah, fifteen plus years ago, that does not qualify you to manage the club in the National League in twenty twenty. So." probably wrong man at the wrong time and for that reason he can't carry all of the blame or the majority of the blame it's at least 50-50 with the chairman okay um, I'm going to come back to you then Will so we put that behind us but the past behind us Tim Flowers is in now obviously we have touched on him already what do you think he has to do to turn the ship around before I say that, if you don't mind, if I just have a little little rant for a minute, because um, I, do, I will always entertain a will rant. Absolutely, 
it, it, only because I was sort of saving this till later on in the podcast, but it is topical with what Jonathan and Tom have just said. Um, the managerial appointments of Barnet Football Club, that's our biggest Achilles heel. That I think that's the, if there's one thing that's basically killing the progress of the club, it's, it's being unable to appoint managers properly. And it, and it feels to me like uh, either we do it on the cheap or we just, there, there's no, there's no logic, no real logic or no process in place to actually determine who, who's selected. I mean, a good example of that actually is Tim Flowers in the sense that um, I believe I'm right in saying that Dean Brennan from Wealdstone was in the running uh, for the job at the same time Tim Flowers was. Now to me I don't understand how those two managers are in the running at the same time. Like I feel like if you're managing a club properly and you're appointing a manager correctly you should have a very strict set of criteria. You know you should really have some, you know, certain things that, that you need to tick, tick every box. Managers should almost be scouted. You almost need like a, a constant list of, of managers on a short list that if one leaves you're ready to to recruit the next one you know and have all this yeah just have it so you know so you know exactly what you want and you look at those two managers and to me they seem completely different Dean Brennan mm. plays really quite nice football his background is probably yeah he's probably going to have better knowledge of like local players because he's come from a from a lower level and then you've got Tim Flowers who has been successful at the National League as a player much higher up plays very direct football there just doesn't seem to be any I don't understand how those two are on the same short list and it, and it just as you start to look back through the years and you look at the managerial appointments they've just been all over the place you've had guys who've got loads of experience you've got some who've never managed a, a team before it's just a mess isn't it and I, I really feel like that's the one element where if a process could be put in place I don't know if that's having a director of football who's got genuine authority to make those decisions when it comes to appointing the next manager but whatever it is that's got to change if if Barnett ever want to get anywhere um, oh, I've I've rattled on a little bit, so I won't talk too long about Tim Flowers. But broadly, I've been really impressed by by what he said so far. I actually I actually do think he might be the right man for the job in terms of getting this team well drilled and organised. And um, yeah, I'm positive that basically, if he can, if he's allowed to recruit an entirely new defence and and given time to put his his kind of system into place, that he'll probably be a be a success at Barnet. That's fine. I'm just very grateful to enjoy a rant. You are more than welcome to steal the mic and rant for as long as you want, my friend, <laughs> Tom. I'm going to ask I'm going to recycle a question though um, what do you think he needs to do to turn the ship around number one is very obviously tighten things up at the back um, I took the liberty of pulling some numbers earlier because I love a number um, they've got the worst defence which we obviously know second worst goals against per 92.26 goals against per 90 if you're conceding at least two goals a game every game you can't hope to win very often you just can't they've also conceded an impressive slash unimpressive seven from outside the penalty area that's the worst in the division so what the hell's happening there their goals against isn't even that kind of out of kilter with their expected goals against that's the fifth worst uh just under 24 goals in 14 games wretched what i will say there is Torquay. you've actually got the fourth worst goals against expected goals against which is 23.85 so only slightly worse than Barnet but does just show you you know they're obviously top of the league and have conceded far fewer um, you know so it does show you that there's, you can't read too much into these sometimes there's a little there are outliers and what have you um, so that, that that is obviously the, the main thing but then you know as much as we've said the, the forward line and midfield isn't perhaps as bad they are the second lowest scorers um, with eleven with eleven goals in fourteen games, and that's pretty miserable. They've not scored from a corner, and set pieces is a key theme as well. I'm sure, which will be near the top of 
Tim Flowers to do list you know they've not scored from a corner this season the amount of goals they concede from set piece situations is, is absolutely miserable and you know if this is a squad lacking talent the one thing you can teach you can teach toddlers this Stathy you, you've you've been a coach you are you have coaching badges at some level you can teach people to be organised enough to defend set pieces can't you like that is entirely doable it's it's the whole reason people like Sam Allardyce and Tony Poulis exist in this day and age is to come in and you know tighten you up and make you hard to beat teach patterns of play and organization instill organization and, and so on so it, it's entirely doable even if you lack you know other in other areas of the game that's not to say it's easy I'm just saying it's, it's doable so I think those are the the the, the three biggest things and if you say if I to repeat that that's tighten up defensively work out the attack and sort out their set pieces attacking and defensive I mean that's pretty much the three fundamentals of the game um, the interesting thing to me was in the, the number digging that I did actually in terms of use of the ball and kind of build up and construction um, they've had the fourth fewest penalty area touches so you know not the not the worst by any means but kind of tallies with their their lack of Goals, 12th most shots, about halfway, so not awful. And 11th most, 11th highest percentage of those on target. So again, not awful. So, you know, they're evidently, it's not for a complete lack of creating chances. It's it's evidently some, you know, uh, profligacy in, in front of goal. And in, in terms of, you know, keeping the ball, they're not completely devolved from the team they were under, um, under, under Darren Curry last season, who were very much up there for you know ball retention they're you know one of the sort of in the top half for for passes made and passes completed and um seventh most passes into the final third so they're getting the ball in the into the final third whether they're progressing that to the penalty area or not is another another matter altogether but there's there's an awful lot there to to work on in all areas of the game unfortunately was that you handing in a CV now that Dan Hutchings has left as the sports scientist for the club? <laughs> no, because I'm I'm terrible at that sort of stuff. That's you know that's not analysis. That's just reading numbers off of Weiss Scout. But you know I think it, it neatly encapsulates the the probably biggest issues that Tim Flowers has got to work on. And as I said earlier, with the you know the fact that they've had games called off since the second of January, he's going to have had a nice little kind of two and a half weeks there to work on something I would be very surprised if he has not uh, made a, a, a telling uh, impact on the side by the time we get to see them um, in the in the Boreham Wood game um, Jono I'm going to come to you for a hot take so Tom's given us the sort of what Will's told us about Tim Flowers and, and early impressions Tom's given us the plan to fix things um, how do you think the season goes from here Jono? Uh, well I suppose one of the positives or positive ways of looking at it is that he's still got most of the season to go and he can turn things around uh, immediate aim has got to be just getting Barnett uh, safe and avoid relegation and possibly you'd, you'd like to think he could do that sooner rather than later and then maybe perhaps towards the end of the season he might be looking at you know possibly not really sweating too much and looking over your shoulder at the right at the business end of the season but I mean personally I'd like him to look a bit like long term and look into possibly after obviously main focus is what I just mentioned like getting away from relegation and all that but look into building a squad and building a bit of a project here and starting to you know some develop some sort of idea identity with Barnet and uh, start to get them back on their their way because I mean it, it's easy to um, 
to say this with no fans being allowed to go to any of the games, but over the past few years, Barnet just sliding out of the football league and then sliding down uh, the, the table this season anyway is with fans are starting to lose a bit of interest, aren't they, really? They're starting to lose a bit of faith in the team. And um, really, you need something to just inspire the fans to get back and support the team, really, don't you? You want some sort of identity and something to get behind and support instead of just the team week in, week out. You want something to be able to look forward to seeing. You know you know, you're going to get Barnett under Martin Allen. You knew Barnett were going to be in every single game. You know what I mean? You knew Barnett would stand mm-hmm. a chance with, even if they were heavy underdogs, you knew they were going to stand a chance. And quite often we did upset the odds, didn't we? So you'd like to think Barnett can, uh, or Tim Flowers, he can build some sort of project and get Barnett back to the days of when people start to fall in love with the club. I actually forgot what you asked me, so I just went on my own little answer there, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I'm detecting yeah. a theme here. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's good. You you kind of touch what touched on what I uh, what I asked. That's fine. Um, Will, uh, you are the optimist of all optimists. How do you think the rest of the season goes from this point on? Yeah, I am sort of optimistic. I mean, I, you look at the league table, and there's no doubt that Barnet are in a they're in a really bad bad way. I mean, I, I know what you're saying, Jonathan, about sort of building something for the future. And I think that is important to have a manager in situ for the next couple of years who can you know, really start to yeah put something together that that the fans can be proud of. But the situation we're in is actually relatively dire, even though we haven't played that many games. I mean, looking Barnet currently six points off off safety, um, which is a, quite a lot for this stage of the season. Saying that, I think that what we're going to end up doing from what I can see is basically spending our way out of it isn't it we're, we're, already, we're already brought in you know a couple of loanees who, who've joined the club we've got uh, Liam Daly come in at centre back and I think essentially the chairman's just going to have to spend money and, and buy half a new new team to make us competitive and it, it's frustrating because that could have been you know, it's kind of a penny safe pound foolish isn't it we could have saved that money in the first place buying all these questionable players and, and just put together a good team from, from the start but, but at the same time you you know, we know why we know why that was done early on but I do think we'll we'll spend enough money I think we've got a manager who who, who does know this league and seems to be pretty adept at getting a side organized and and I think you can gain you can gain league positions very quickly at this end of the table yeah it's obvious isn't it because teams win less when you know, it's easier than when you're trying to get into the playoffs or get into the automatic promotion picture so no I, I do think that Barnet will have enough and I don't think they'll go down but I think it's going to be touch and go I, I don't imagine us finishing anywhere above 18 19th 20th perhaps at the end of the season okay um i'm going to focus more on this season tom with you mm. uh because i think I, I think what happens is the the optimist in will has written off this season but he can't admit it to himself so he's saying we could just get through this and it'll be fine next season and john you're also talking about you know a long decline with fans spanning multiple seasons so let's assume we do finish the season tom um do you yes. think barnet avoid the drop it's really hard to predict because there's so much of the season to go but I I'm pinning this there's no great analysis here I'm pinning this purely on the fact that I I like the cut of Tim Flowers jib he's proven himself at this level he went in alongside somebody forgive me at Solihorn Wars initially and helped keep them up before mounting that promotion push so Yes, I do, because there's enough of the season to go and he seems to be beginning, given the the budget and the the um, opportunity to clear players out, that 
aren't in his plans I think yes but as I say not based on any great analysis just or looking at the fixtures or anything like that just purely there are there are so many still to play um, that there are enough points on the board that it's it's completely doable. Who's going to you know take their place? I think we can reasonably assume Dover are, are obviously banging trouble, being worse than Barnet. Weymouth have struggled, haven't looked great when I've seen them, and I think Kings Lynn, although they're quite you know entertaining, I, I wonder if they're going to ever tighten up enough are a couple of easy candidates to identify I wouldn't be surprised if uh, some of the other teams that are currently in mid-table get dragged in because I think you know yeah your wheeled stones and all the shots are maybe benefiting at the moment from the fact that there are three teams who are yet to hit double figures on points Um, so I think uh, it's it's a very sort of condensed middle of the table and if if Barnet or another team start winning it's going to make it very interesting so yeah long answer yes I think they'll stay up but they probably don't deserve it and uh, well for a variety of reasons and uh, it would be what am I trying to say it would be just for all the years of stupidity if they were to really suffer and get relegated. But obviously, I hope they don't because I have a soft spot for the club. <laughs> Out of nowhere, you just said they should be relegated. But I hope they don't. I didn't put pressure on you. I didn't yeah, live there. I, I, <laughs> I, no, I, do, I, I never want the club to do badly because, you know, I'm not a supporter died in the wall Barnet fan like Will is, obviously. But, you know, I've spent one way or another enough of my life watching out for Barnett's results that they are my second team so I, I want them to do well however if I was in the way that you kind of might want your your, your child to learn a lesson for repeated acts um, of, of insolence or, or, or stupidity or ignorance um, you kind of feel the same about Barnett that they can't just keep sacking managers and overhauling squads and under investing or you know just generally doing things that uh, from a distance um, seem like they should have been avoided and then expect allow them to keep getting away with it and you know for a while they obviously did that didn't they you know for however many years in in the football league they they were they were famous for get, for getting away with it you know just as the um you know just as they they looked like they were about to fall through the trapdoor they they somehow survived and they did it and you know obviously this has been one very bad season so far or 14 games of one very bad season in the the National League but you do feel like there's been a lot that has, has built up to this point you know this doesn't just happen overnight it definitely does, it? does not um, Jono Tom's um, I think been very fair actually Tom I, I gave you a bit of stick there jokingly but actually I think your opinions are very fair I actually would I would go on an even more impassioned rant about the state of the club to be completely honest um, but John I'll go to you first um, so let's say the club does stay up this season I think we all agree or I don't I hope I'm not putting words in your mouth or anyone's mouth to say the club is a bit of a mess um, how do we avoid being such a mess from next season onwards let's hope let's hope the pandemic is over for more than just footballing reasons how does the club actually you know run itself like a well-run organized professional outfit with stunning facilities from you know 2022 onwards <laughs> where do you start <laughs> um, <laughs> uh 
Right, so I think you've banged this drum quite a bit in the past on a, when we used to pod staff, is appoint someone who actually knows people or knows football properly, if you know what I mean. So appoint someone to appoint managers, essentially, or something like that. And like I said, build an identity, and more like the sporting director uh, role that we did have. But, I mean, when we did have it, we didn't do it properly, if you know what I mean. We... But more or less just had Mark McGee just appointing himself manager and director of football and stuff like that. So instead of that, really have someone who, who wants to build a, a long-term project here and then develop a style of play. And then if we do ever need to or come to a decision to sack the manager or the manager decides to move on elsewhere, then we can appoint a manager who fits the same sort of build, the same style of play, um, etc etc like that and then, then therefore he would have this similar type of players that he wants to work with and then there would be less overhauling of squads and less money spent that way and the club in theory would still be able to build year on year on year um it's a lot easier said than done but it's a good uh it's a good sort of program to follow i suppose instead of just appoint this guy if it, if it goes well you're lucky if it doesn't then well you've appointed peter beadle who had no real right to be the manager essentially there was better candidates out there um and you are where you are because you appointed him um so yeah go appoint someone who knows football and knows what's what essentially and hire a proper scouting system sort of bring in players properly and just run the club like a proper football club really we would you guys agree that we're we're not really we're not run like many, most football clubs, are we? No, and I think this that's exactly why Tim Flowers has come in and and said, you know, we need to get the structural things right as much as anything. What I would say is, I think um, for a long time, you know, or on and off for a long time, Martin Allen was manager, and he, I, I think, may have. It, the way he wanted to run things was probably slightly different. You know, he wanted to be uh, the the kind of old school manager that was in charge of everything. You know, he, he kept a very small staff, did a lot of the work, um, you know, himself and with the staff. So they would go out to games and scout games. You know, he would, or, you know, he or one of the coach, the, the one coach, would put on, you know, be that Carl Muggleton or be that uh, uh, Wit or be that uh, whoever came before Wit, you know, Gary Waddick, they, they would put on, you know, between them, put on the, the coaching sessions and so on and do a lot of the scouting. And I think, uh, you know, it, I think he liked it that way, but I think it'll probably also meant that he kept the budget for the staff as minimal as possible and was able to put all the money on the field Tim Flowers has come in and said well no I want a structure you know they wanted the head of uh, head of performance and Gary Anderson so they've brought him in they've appointed a a sports scientist as well haven't they he's been able to bring in his own number two which you know hasn't always been the case I know uh, obviously uh, uh, Peter Beadle brought Jenkins with him appointed Jenkins but you know (sighs) There's a bit more of a structure and, and, and this, I think, feeds into Jonathan's point earlier that, you know, need to build for the long term as well, and which is a an easy thing to say because everybody knows that that is what you should do. But with the immediacy of football, it's very hard to do, to do it. You know, one man can build for the long term, but if he's sacked six months down the line or leaves six months down the line for one reason or another, and that is always likely at Barnet because 
you know, if if a manager does well at a club like Barnet, they they're likely to get lured away, and if they do poorly, the probable consequence of that is that they're either in relegation trouble in the football league or in danger of not getting promotion back to the football league. So you move them on and bring someone in who you think's got a better chance of doing that. So it's very hard, but I think yeah, a proper structure, and if that means giving a director of football or technical director or whatever that role is. Um, some power to be the conduit between the chairman and the first team head coach then that is a good thing um, recruitment how many clubs have scouts at this level I'm not I'm not quite sure but they might have a bit more of a uh, you know a little bit more of a structure there have been good signs but we have to now you know carry on and capitalise strike while the iron's hot and not just sort of go well, we've done some of these things. That's good enough. Let's let's do it properly, and and reap the benefits in the immediacy and in the long term. That's exactly it. Really, is the the club? Am I right in saying that the plans like plans were revealed? I'm sure I remember seeing videos of like a, like a, massive. So, yeah, the the, the stadium yeah. was being exta- yeah. expanded or whatever like that. You can't let that go ahead if the club is in National League South or possibly even worse if we carry on going as we are. You've got a plan for off the field, yeah. I'm all for it, but you have got a plan for on the field as well. Um, history suggests that TK doesn't do well in uh, appointing football managers. It gets a bit lucky with Martin Allen coming back every few years and doing an all right job, but apart from that, he's not really had much great success, especially in recent years. So appointing someone who knows football and has better contacts in the game, and if you want to do things properly and build properly and be successful, you were saying you're not sure how many clubs have scouts at this sort of level but having scouts at this sort of level would separate you from the rest really it would it would make you be better essentially surely yeah true so true. surely you would want to do all that stuff and make you separate from the rest of the pack and you know start to develop and then you'll slowly develop into a, a solid league a football league squad and you can slowly build your way up the pyramid and surely that's the aim isn't it you would say so. I'm not even sure Definitely. at the moment, honestly. <laughs> I know it sounds absolutely ridiculous. I'm not even sure. Um, John, you touched on that point there. You said um, that the football club, it's a bit of a shame having such great facilities and being... Oh, sorry, you said it would be a shame to have such good facilities moving forward in the future and being in the National League South. Uh, I would yeah. say it's probably already a shame to have the facilities the club has already and being in the National League. Um, and potentially even if the club were to improve its facilities or improve league standing, uh, you know, having an international um, class facility while being in League Two, for me, is a bit of a shame. So I'm not... Uh, I'm not sure that's necessarily um, the the lens with which it's viewed. To be like blunt about it, I don't think the facilities and the performance of the the club are necessarily in direct correlation. You, you I look at the, forever, but I'm, I'm not going to. You, sorry, you, you, you look at you look at the facilities around the place and the plans to develop them further and make them even better. That screams to anyone who doesn't pay much attention so anyone taking a glance and look that screams ambition but anything you see on the pitch says the complete opposite those two have to be aligned to have any sort of success surely I think yeah. that's absolutely- well for the football club too yes well I'm going to tag you in because I imagine you've been sat there on the sidelines for too long go on <laughs> I have I've been chomping at the bit to to get on and get involved in this discussion because I think I think there's a lot of sense being talked here in terms of um, I've got to say I, I know you and I Staffy we used to debate about the merits of a director of 
football and I, I've very much gone full circle on that and, you know, I think it's absolutely critical now to Bartlett's chances of, of success um, and it's vital that that's not a cheap option you know that shouldn't be James Thorne that shouldn't be a manager who's already out of favour who gets sort of shunted upstairs as an easy way of, of getting him out of the dugout it needs to be something where I would almost suggest it, his, that his appointment should be done externally like they, they should hire a consultant to select that person and we need to really throw money at it a really good salary for a top-notch you know top-notch sporting director for this level and then essentially just hand him the money I think that really is what it comes down to you know um, the chairman he, he's done a fantastic job at building this this stadium and the infrastructure at, at, the, at the club but the footballing, cent- footballing side of things leaves a lot to be desired and I think you know leave that sporting director to just get on with it from his point of view I think it's all about for me it's all about marginal gains I don't actually think that spending your money on the talent on the pitch is the most important thing I think you you need to have everything that goes alongside that even at a level like Barnet I think you know how much does a good scout cost you scouts aren't highly paid so relative to the cost of one average National League footballer if that scout can find you five six seven players that you sell on for a profit there are more efficient use of funds than that one player it's the same with the manager the manager is so 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 fundamental to the way that that team operates pay the most money you possibly can don't get a Peter Beadle you know even if it means you have less talented players or a smaller squad or whatever it is get everything get the analytics get the you know the scouting tools you name it I think you should you should get it in and you look at a team like Brentford a bit higher up the food chain you know the amount of money they spend on the talent on the pitch is not as much as well the teams that come down from the Premier League and awful lot of other championship teams but they're able to be competitive because the rest of the squad the rest of the the way the footballing side of the club operates is run properly so yeah for me get a sporting director don't have any involvement in the way the football side of things is run just let him get on with it and you know and, and yeah from his point of view spend it on on all the things that go around the team as well as the team itself I'm not going to launch fully into my rant but I want to touch on a couple of points you raised there first of all I think uh, like I think we're all we're actually we're all saying it and I think most fans are saying it and scream from the rooftops just let the football club be run by football people um, and I, I have a side note obviously I work in tech and I'm a big fan of tech and just being a nerd in general um, I'm a, a Cleveland Brown Browns fan in the NFL and that's an American football team and they've been historically terrible for a long long time uh, Tom I know you watch the NFL as well so you're, you're aware of this um, and they this season they went for uh, a more stats based approach in terms of their head scout and stuff like that and the result of, of that happening is that this season the, the, the team are doing really well and I just think sports science is in my opinion is the easiest way for a club at this level to to pick up and it's it's like it's the it's the most underinvested aspect of football at this level is probably what I'm trying to say in a more uh, in a more clear fashion. Um, just invest money into the sports science side. I see that Tim Flowers. It looks like that's one of the things he does want to do. But just invest money there and let like you guys have all said. I mean, you don't even necessarily need to hire scouts. Just hire people who are relatively good with stats and ask them to find players based on the stats. The stats are out there now. You know, the data is out there now. Just comb it a bit better than your rivals, and hopefully you'll you'll do well. Um, so for me personally, um, the club would be so much better if just the appropriate people were put in place to run things. That will be the yeah. end of my rant. I'm not going to go too too long into it. Go for it. 
I was just going to add, Seth. I mean, you're absolutely right about the you know, the sports science side of things. I think, but that's got to be consistent. You know, after watching Barnet for years and years, nothing nothing is permanent here, is it? It's you know things come and go, and a manager has some ideas, and then they go out the window, and they're replaced by another manager. And, and I think like this is a good example. You know, Tim Flowers obviously wants this sports science side of things, but how long is that going to last? When Tim Flowers goes, does the next manager have it? Maybe not. You know, and then suddenly Barnet are back to square one, where they're they're not as up to date with the you know with the relevant tech or, or staff as as they should be for the level they're at. I think it's why it's so critical that you have someone above the manager making those decisions, so you don't just lose it when they go. Absolutely, I think there are different ways of looking at people. Um, so Amazon are obviously quite frequently in the news, and their sort of ethos in terms. I'm, I'm not actually talking out of football now, sorry. But um, Amazon have an ethos which many people disagree with, which is just that to them people are just you know the monkeys who do the grunt work um and just bring them in let them do the grunt work and then carry on it's the systems at amazon that kind of keep the thing ticking over it's the idea of trying to minimize uh, costs to make more profit and so on and so forth um and then there are some companies which really invest in people and try to get the most out of people. And I dare say that Barnet Football Club is a bit of an Amazon in the sense that people aren't invested into, you're not given the best people in the best positions to do the best their best work and they're not given the tools to do their best work either. Um, and I think that's a big philosophical change for an organisation like Barnet Football Club or The Hive as it's probably the, the bigger thing now. Um, so I would love to see that change. I'm not sure it will, and therefore I'm a bit uh, pessimistic about the future. But I would love to see that change. But while we're on the pessimistic subject, um, we're currently going through a, a difficult time in terms of the pandemic or the, the panny. As was it, Tom? You introduced us to this week? No, not me, but um, awful. <laughs> <laughs> Which one of you was that? It was me, I'm afraid. Oh, Will. <laughs> Stayed silent for so long as well, just hoping someone else would take the credit. Um, okay, so Will, we're in the midst of a panny. Um, does it have realistic impacts on, on Barnet Football Club? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think obviously it goes without saying that it's impacting all the clubs and the fact they're losing you know, losing revenue from supporters obviously from Barnett's point of view they're quite reliant on a lot of the other things that go on at the hive you know I mean I'm thinking the weddings is a is a big earner for them isn't it and, and that presumably won't yeah hasn't been happening for some time and potentially won't be happening for another another few months so so yeah it's going to hit the hit the club in the pocket he's going to do that across the National League I think um, in the at least there's been the government you know, some sort of government bailout money um, I, I, th- I suppose the bigger issue going forward is just whether we're actually going to see the season finished or not I mean Barnet are getting so many cases aren't they and so many postponements and every every week you look at the, the fixtures and half of them are off um, Dover Athletic at the bottom of the of the table have only played 11 games which is you know ludicrous for this stage of the year so I mean one really big impact will be whether the season even even finishes you know how what can be done to make it finish do we need more testing do we need a, a break I don't necessarily know the answer but but yeah that could potentially get Barnet out of jail if the season was was cancelled I suppose because yeah they'd have to null and void the results you'd imagine Jono does the season finish Uh, we were talking about this the other day Uh, I don't think it finishes on time but sure I think there can be a little bit of wiggle room with extending it because realistically none of our players in this league are going to be involved in the Euros or anything like that so you could if you really wanted to you could extend it well into the summer if necessary and 
bit like this season, you don't really need much of a big pre-season before you start the next season, really, do you? I mean, the transfer window just goes on and on and on, so there isn't much, you know, you can't really say, oh, we, we need time for a transfer window. Players can come and go as they please, really. So I do see the season finishing, provided we get on top of this uh, <laughs> this, this uh, disease going around. Um I'd absolutely hate it, and I think this is one of the really press, real pressing issues for Tim Flowers. Is he needs to uh, make some sort of an instant impact, really, if he wants to avoid the club going down on points per game? Because I mean, we saw in the EFL that did happen, didn't we? So, if that is a possibility, you want to get results straight away um, and just do everything you can to avoid that at all costs. But I do see the season finishing, just not on time. I'm being a bit coy, so I should probably just be open about it. I don't think the season finishes, and I don't think it finishes with enough of the season complete to do something like points per game or any other metric, uh, just in my opinion. And I think that's what saves Barnet Football Club, actually, because I think if things keep going as they do, I do think the club gets relegated. Uh, Tom, your thoughts? Yeah, Will and I were talking about this at work today, um, and the conclusion we came to, or consensus we came to, I think, is that the way things are going it won't finish on time uh, and there's an increasing danger that it won't finish because I don't think that they're going to introduce mandatory testing unless the money from unless there is more money uh, given by the Football League and Premier League or unless that money is you know portion of that money is allocated and obviously that's up in the air at the moment as well because there's some dissatisfaction at how that money was distributed in the first place between National League South and North clubs um, I think they might very well go right you know we've had so many games called off let's have a two or three week circuit breaker and then go back and then find that the problem basically uh, repeats itself in a few weeks time and it becomes impossible to complete the season but I think they're gonna you know that's such a nuclear option to press that they will do everything they can um, the, the the deadline they have I suppose and we'll see how hard a deadline that is is obviously the playoff final at Wembley with the with the Euros potentially as things stand and it seems unwise taking place across the continent and some games to be played at Wembley this summer uh, we may very well find that the National League powers that be have to decide between an on-time final at Wembley or a delayed final at another big ground. If fans can't go anyway, then it might as well be played at the Hive on one of the training pitches. It makes no bloody difference. Um, but it, yeah, I think that's the the probably the the only thing stopping them going on and on and on. But at some point, we need to get back to a normal calendar as well because I'm sure it's not going to do anybody any good to play through the summer again, start with a truncated pre-season and cram loads of games in Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday for an entire season either, is it? So... Uh, at some point we have to get back to normality speak for yourself sorry well just one very quick point I just want to make to what Tom just said I am loving I'm I'm a Manchester United fan for all my sins I am loving watching them play two to three times a week it's not healthy for the the players and it's being very very selfish of me no I agree I love it I love it every weekend every week when I look and it's like oh Watford game this week excellent um, you know, I love it, but obviously it's not it's not sustainable, is it? So, so but just uh, let's have it for as long as it lasts. <laughs> let's just enjoy it while it's here. Sorry, well, I interjected. Sorry. No, I agree with you. I think it's great having these games coming thick and fast, and I love the fact that it's a completely off topic, but having all the matches at different times you can watch on your TV and just having this kind of non-stop schedule of football is great, especially at the moment. All I was going to say was that uh, the one thing to consider is that. Uh, 
obviously nationally contracts I think typically run up till the end of May I believe um, now obviously it was easy to extend certain contracts when uh, when it was just the playoffs we were looking after but to do that with the, the whole league that could be really quite tricky I would imagine um, and that might put some pressure on them to finish uh, but yeah broadly I, I agree with what Tom was saying I think they'll do everything they can to, to get it on I don't think they'll pay for mass testing which is probably the actual way to, to, to get it to its conclusion mm. and I think it will end up falling short and the, and the season will, will be you know, will be cancelled in some way whether that's completely you know completely scrapped or whether they'll just about get to enough games where they can do it on PPG when you consider that EFL didn't have mandatory testing until just now um, and they're a relatively organised committee <laughs> com- uh, competition compared to the National League I find it very hard to believe the National League is suddenly going to um, pull its pull its socks up and sort this out. So we we started by obviously saying that that we think the chairman made the right decision with the information he had last summer. We think it went a bit awry because too many corners were cut, as it, well far too many corners were cut thereafter. Uh, things may be looking up now. If the season doesn't finish, that means that the chairman was right to barely spend any money um, for as long as he could. And the club doesn't get relegated, and they were never in, you know, in threat, if you like, of getting promoted. There's nothing lost. So, will if that happens, the chairman has the last laugh, last laugh, surely. Yeah, I, mean, I suppose. Yeah, I, I suppose he does. I mean, and I think, I think they probably had that. Probably, I mean, I don't want to put words into his mouth by any means, but I would imagine that's probably been somewhere in, in the thinking across the board. Is that yeah? There's so many. When you take this situation from the moment we ended, yeah, the previous season up until now, there've been so many points when things look completely up in the air and that it didn't look like you know, whatever it was last season will finish. This season will finish. So yeah, I, I'm sure potentially he'd look at it and go, well, yeah, there, there's definitely some sense in um, doing things at the bare minimum cost because I mean look let's take the fans in the stadium for example you know it looked like we sold season tickets didn't we and, we and it looked like we were going to at least have some fans in as it turns out we had none so then that's probably another reason where you can say oh well actually apart from a few games I mean actually yeah that was that was again wise to have a lower budget but at the same time if it's down to something you know that fortuitous I think most people will probably have a bit of kind of self-reflection and go well that that last little bit could have gone a very different way and the season might have finished so yeah it would mean you got it right but I don't think that would I don't know I'm not sure that's really enough it's not a like real a, victory is it a bit like I am at school isn't it that you get the answer right but you're working out what's yeah. wrong <laughs> so you don't get top marks yeah. not even sure it's that I think is when you get your grade because the, the term was cancelled also if he does get away with it what a risk to take yeah, but if it works though that's, there's a thin line between wherever it is and genius and if it works it's blind luck in it well I think he'd say it's genius <laughs> um, Jono let's, let's do another one of our famous in a nutshell that's never a nutshell rounds do you think the season finishes if yes where do you think will it finish if no do you think the season gets scrapped completely or do you think some system or metric is used and where do Barnet finish under that uh, right, so if the season finishes, do I think Barnet will stay up? Yeah, let's be optimistic, I do. Um, I think we'll finish a respectable 18th, 18th or 17th, something like that. Um, if the season doesn't finish, uh, no, Barnet won't stay up because we'll be relegated on points per game. Okay, same to you, Tom. So I've already said they'll stay up. I think if I pull up the table, I reckon... We all said earlier, six points behind at this stage is already quite quite bad. So I'm going to say 
19th, which is already eight points ahead, uh, Yeovil Town, uh, which which is fairly depressing, isn't it? Oh, do I think they do, can make that up? Do you, I mean, do you think no, the first 20th, you think, 20th, 20th. Do you think the sorry, season finishes? 20th. Do I think the season finishes? No, I don't. I think it will either be a ban. I think it's more likely to go to an algorithm or, you know, not an algorithm, is it? It's points per game. Um, yeah, I think it will go to points okay, per game. Okay, Will, same to you. If the season finishes, I think we'll stay up just about. I agree with Tom. I think it will be 20th place is probably my sort of best bet. Um, I I'm really am 50-50 about whether it finishes or not. It's so much down to what action the National League take but I've got a feeling it won't and actually I, th- I don't think it will go to points per game I-, I think that we're probably at the worst point of the coronavirus at the moment or in the next few weeks and I think if it if it reaches a point where it just kind of can't conclude I-, I would see that following a sort of postponement in the next kind of month or so and I don't think and I don't think it would get to get to enough games three points per game so yeah I think Barnet will stay up season finishing uh, maybe just about not finishing and yeah that it, it won't go to PPG or just be be scrapped uh not that anyone asks or anyone cares i'm a very pessimistic person as you will know but i think uh will you're right if the season is scrapped anytime soon i think it won't be ppg it'll just be season scrapped um and i think my very pessimistic opinion i think that's the only way barnet don't get relegated is if the season is scrapped i don't think for all the faith I have in Tim Fowler's sort of modernised approach, I don't think that um, that can bear fruit quickly enough to save the team in its current state. I don't think an investment's going to come quickly enough to turn things around. I, I don't. I just, and if the season finishes any full season, I think there's not enough points to turn the points per game around as well. So happy, happy, happy. On that negative <laughs> bombshell, to still Jeremy Clarkson's phrase. I've enjoyed that. I felt very rusty. Not going to lie to you, to you all, but um, it's been good talking to you all again about all matters Barnet Football Club. Will, is there anything you'd like to touch on before we say good night? He's already gone to bed. <laughs> good night, Will. <laughs> oh, apologies. I um, yeah, was terrible failure to come off mute, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Um... That was the noise of 2020. Actually, that was talking to someone and then just followed by a "You're on mute, mate." <laughs> Um, all I was going to say was um, if your prediction comes true Staffy I want to come back and do another one of these in the summer and I really will blow a gasket if we find ourselves in the in the National League South at that point um, but yeah no been been good to come on and, and chat about Barnet it's quite kind of cathartic isn't it indeed Jono um, yeah enjoyed doing this podcast um, it's something to look forward to will blowing a gasket I suppose isn't it in the in the summer so uh, hopefully things will be a lot better then um, and we might be looking forward to actually being able to go back to normal in life but yeah apart from that I don't really have anything else to say so that's fine uh, and Tom to you as well sort of uh, anything you want to say get up your mind yeah just, I think in summary you know there's been a lot of negativity here or or criticism 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 here Um I think, you know, what we'd all say is that the good thing about Barnet is the the club will be there. You know, the, it, that can't necessarily be said of other clubs. Obviously, the, the Dover Athletic chairman was, you know, laid bare their financial situation uh, last year. You know, they're surviving, but, you know, the cost of relegation and, and so on. You know, Macclesfield were obviously due to be in this division and are no longer a football club in their previous guise. So... 
you know the club is in safe hands in that respect financially it, you know it will always be there I would say under under Tony Cleanthus I was going to say it will always be there you, you can't predict always but um, I just think that there have been some you know some some errors since but despite all that to reiterate what I think we've all said at one time or another the future looks a lot brighter than it did Tim Flowers seems like an impressive individual in his uh, history and in his actions since he's arrived at the Hive and if he is um, able to kind of force across the line the things that he wants to get done and move out the players he doesn't want to keep and move, bring in the players he does want to do sign and we've obviously already Today, in fact, day of recording, I think it was yesterday, sorry, um, Liam Daly, who's arrived, who was someone he's worked with before. So if we see, uh, you know, the changes that he wants to make in, in personnel, then I, I see absolutely no reason why they can't can't stay up. As I said, there's a lot of the season still to play. They've given themselves, not a mountain to climb, a little hillock, but um, there is there is a lot, I'm a lot more optimistic now than I was in the final weeks of the the Peter Beadle Peter Peter Beadle regime, watching them ship goals, um, you know, for fun and just generally be blown away most weeks without laying a glove on the opponent. So, I I I stand by everything I said, and let's hope that uh, that optimism is not misplaced. Hillock is a delightful word. Thank you for reintroducing <laughs> that. It's been a pleasure, gents. Best of luck to the Barnet fans who who uh, have suffered a bit since we last podded, hoping that things go well. Yeah, I think we should say good evening and leave it there. Thanks, guys. Thank See you. you later.